This is 63% Scottish, a Scotland appreciation podcast. Yes, welcome to 63% Scottish. My name is Eamon O'Flynn and I am your host. Experiencing food is an important part of experiencing culture. If you're in Detroit, you try Detroit-style pizza. If you're in Chicago, you try Chicago-style pizza. If you're in New York, you try New York-style pizza. And if you're in California, you try, uh, I don't know, something with avocado in it. I once went to Iceland, and one of my big regrets was simply being too tight on money to really explore Icelandic food. But it just it's central to getting a feel for for a community, for a culture, for a society. Food can tell you as much about the past as the present, too. There's a reason that some of these dishes exist, traditions, circumstances, or both. Food can tell you about the similarities and differences between peoples and cultures. The English, Scottish, and Irish all have some sort of potato pancake, but they're all different. Why? What could possibly have made three peoples, separated by mere hundreds of kilometers, invent different potato-based pancake dishes? It's insane. If you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that we had the Hebridean baker, Kenyuk McLeod, on a couple of months ago to talk about the Hebrides. It's a fantastic chat, and you'll learn a lot about the experience of growing up there, the language and the culture. So please go back and listen to that one after you're done listening to this. But I would have been a fool to leave it at just the Hebrides. We're talking about the best-selling author of two cookbooks, with a third on the way. We're talking about Scotland's best-selling cookbook author in both 2021 and 2022, and 2023, I'd be willing to bet. We're talking about a social media superstar who has gained hundreds of thousands of Instagram and TikTok followers by sharing videos about making some fantastic baked goods. He was the Scotsman's Food Influencer of the Year, for gosh sakes. So I've asked him about the other half of his moniker, the baker part. Is there a uniquely Scottish style of baking? Is there an ultimate Scottish baked good? What does Scottish baking say about Scottish culture? Let's hear from the expert, Kenyuk MacLeod, the Hebridean baker. Enjoy. Okay, so let, let's get into, let's get right into it. Uh, let's get, let's talk about baking. How did you get into baking? What, where did you learn, or who did you learn from? Uh, and where did the joy and love of baking come from for you? Well, uh, baking and just the stove being on in, in our house at home just, just brings me back to, to, to childhood and, and kind of pulling myself up to the stove to see what my mother or my aunts as well who were fantastic bakers were baking. But I think where this real passion came from, and I have to, to say, and I can, and I can nearly pinpoint the day that this whole journey began. I was over visiting my aunt, uh, Bellac, who lives in the next village, my father's oldest sister, she's 94. And she was making a duff, our most classic bake, the clouty dumplings mm -hmm. bubbling on the stove. And we were just sitting by the stove and it, it actually was her 65th wedding anniversary that day. And she was telling me the stories of the traditions of, of getting married and what happened on the wedding day. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want the recipes or stories of these islands to be lost. And that was the day I thought, I, 
I need to become the Hebridean baker. <laughs> and probably yes. my wheelhouse <laughs> at that point, um, even though it was a number of years ago, I had I knew the classics, I knew the Scottish classics, but that was when I realized I wanted to kind of grow my repertoire and 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 build um, kind of build the story of of, of traditional dishes and learning uh, Scottish flavors and and how they work together. Um, and I, I just absolutely love it. As I said, I, I definitely call myself a passionate home baker. And mm-hmm. my cookbooks aren't supposed to make you into a Michelin star chef. Um, what I want my cookbooks yes. to do is if your aunt or your mother is coming around for, for the afternoon and you want to bake her a cake or do something special, that's when you pick the Hebridean Baker cookbook and go, I know she'll like something from this cookbook. So it's really hearty, wholesome, simple ingredients, um, but things that people just enjoy eating. And and you kind of, uh, you may be, we may be getting into the next question here, which is about Scottish baking traditions. And and are they different from English and Irish traditions? Is is the simplicity, is that part of it? you know, is there such a thing as Scottish baking? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And there's a lot of overlap. And it's been fascinating with my two cookbooks. Um, in um, Well, in, in my second cookbook, my Scottish Island Kitchen, I decided to have a chapter on um, Nordic or Scandinavian recipes. And I'm actually writing my third cookbook at the moment. And in that, uh, there's going to be a chapter on Celtic recipes, the recipes from Wales and Ireland and Brittany and, and and those countries, and it is fascinating how they intertwine, how the mm-hmm. the the storyline of the recipe may be different, but when you look at the recipe, you think, ah, that's a bit like our version of this or that, yes. etc. Um, so it's, th- but that I absolutely enjoy. You know, um, I was recently in Orkney, and they have a dish called the Orkney Bruni, which is a, a, a kind of oat-filled kind of gingerbread. Oh, I love it. It's just so delicious and sturdy. <laughs> um, yes. Then when I was doing the new cookbook, um, I found this French recipe called uh, Nonette, which is the, the French for uh, uh, a wee nun. <laughs> and it's also a gingerbread, but with rye bread instead, rye flour instead of the oat flour. And you start to kind of realize that the stories might be different, the names might be different, but at the end of the day, what you'll find, which relates to Scandinavia, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, is um, the that the kind of wholesomeness and heartiness of the dishes, you know, and mm-hmm. th- that's that's kind of food I love. Is whiskey a defining feature of Scottish baking? <laughs> Do you know what? When I did my first cookbook. Um, Somebody, I assume, I, I was, I don't know if it was a radio show or a TV show I was doing, and somebody must have counted how many recipes in my cookbook had whiskey. I, or it, ha- it hadn't even crossed my mind. I hadn't even noticed, and I, it was a, quite a large number. Um, the wonderful thing about whiskey, uh, when you do use it in, um, particularly desserts, is of course depending on what island or mainland whiskey you use it completely changes the flavor. Um, and some mm-hmm. of my favorite recipes do have whiskey in them. Um, cent- central to everything I do, I love a bake or a dish that has a story uh, connected to it. And one of my favorites um, 
there is a dessert called a Scots Flummery. And a Scots Flummery is, it's a, nearly like a bit of a syllabub. It's got honey and whiskey and um, uh, marmalade, sorry, through it. And ah, it's, it's absolutely delicious. But the story I love about it is that um, uh, Flora MacDonald was, was halfway through a Scots Flummery when she was arrested for helping Bonnie Prince Charlie escape from Culloden. And I just imagine her kind of holding on to this little dish, going, please, can I just finish it before I go to prison? <laughs> and I do absolutely love the fact that a lot of the, the recipes I've chosen are because of the wonderful stories that are behind the recipes. And I, I have this mm. image of, you know, somebody in Toronto or Kentucky just not only baking the recipe, but also being at the table telling the story that goes along with it. I, th that would make me smile. Excellent. Is there a is there a whiskey that you tend to, to lean to? Uh, not to put you on the spot choosing a, a brand or a distillery <laughs> here, but uh, there aren't there. Aren't, is there a, a distillery on the Isle of Lewis? There, there is. Uh, it's a small a, distillery. A single? Uh, there's a yes. small distillery that's been there for a number of years called Avinjarak, but probably on the Isle of Harris uh, is going to be um, more identifiable now. Up until now, it's only been able to produce the gin, the hardest gin, which has become world famous. Um, and mm -hmm. so from that at the moment, I would say my favorite whiskey, if you just said, do you want a dram or, um, you know, it's a nice evening, what would I have? I would still stick Hebridean, um, but my palate hasn't really matured yet to the peaty, smoky whiskeys. So I avoid the Isla whiskies like Roflati, Chlagavulin, Beaumont, and uh, I love the whiskey from the island of Jura. Uh, Jura whiskey for me is beautifully smooth. It has still the kind of complication of its neighbor island of Isla because it's only, I don't know, I think it's a one and a half minute ferry journey <laughs> between mm -hmm. the two islands, but it's a beautiful smooth whiskey. Uh, as a treat, and I have a couple of bottles of 18-year-old. I even have a bottle of 21-year-old Jura as well uh, that I'm saving for a special occasion. Um, but yeah, I, I, a nice Jura whiskey, I'm very happy. All right. Uh, so if someone was just getting comfortable with baking and they wanted to bake something distinctly Hebridean or, or at least Scottish, what would you suggest as a first experiment? Like what's the, or, or even just a what, what's the go-to choice from your new book? Well, you know, um, I think there's a couple of things that Scottish folk do very, very well. Um, and interestingly enough, one of them is soup. It's cold here. And so, <laughs> so soup is very integral to life in Scotland and in the Hebrides. And we're very good at it as well. People will know the classic dishes like cullen skink, uh, cockaliki soup, scotch broth. And so if you can introduce yourself and you want to make a starter, the soups are just a wonderful way to do it. But if you're looking for the bakes and it's maybe something that you haven't tried before and maybe you don't know your oven very well or those kind of things, scones are a great introduction. And I think I've got between my two books so far, I think there's about six or seven scone recipes in my in my books, all different types. Um, and what you need is a hot oven and very cold hands. And if you've got those <laughs> two things, you're going to make the most delicious scones, both savory and sweet. I've got savory scones and sweet scones in my book. And 
even if they're not perfect, they can look gnarly and look a bit alien and still taste delicious. Yeah, doesn't matter what it looks like, right? It's <laughs> it's all about the taste. Uh, you've so many of your the recipes in your books aren't extremely complicated. As you said, you're kind of drawing on a on a long history. Your TikTok videos make them look downright easy sometimes. Almost I, I'm maybe deceptively easy. You're you, you just you know what you're doing. But why is simplicity important in your baking? And do you think your baking philosophy comes from uh your upbringing in the in the Hebrides? Uh, I think there's, there's a few things that come to mind. Uh firstly was the accessibility to ingredients uh on the islands and when I started the journey as the Hebridean baker, genuinely, I I was only doing this thinking that folk in the Hebrides would be interested. I had no clue or thought that this mm. would resonate around the world. So my first thought was, can I can I buy these things in the supermarket in Stornoway? <laughs> you know, is this realistic <laughs> to do on the island? Um, and so that was my first thought process. Also, at the time, it was during um, COVID times when the, the, this really did start to resonate. And when I was looking online at other people's content creation and recipes, you know, people were making the biggest cake and the most tears and the most buttercream. I was thinking, they look amazing, but who's going to eat these things? You know, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not allowed to leave my house for the next six months, you know. So I was making recipes for you know, small families or people who just wanted two slices of cake, not 10 tiers of cake. Um, mm -hmm. And it resonated with people. And I've kept that storyline that these are, it's it's cakes to be eaten, not just to be displayed uh, and, and put on social media. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I think the philosophy of simplicity and using up uh, ingredients is a very Hebridean thing. A lot of my recipes in my cookbook use um, like stale bread or old cake or and, and make it into something new. Um, mm -hmm. Like I think there's at least two recipes that use um, day-old mashed potato to make cakes. <laughs> I, I'm not too sure if there'd be many other cookbooks in the world that could say that. Uh, so it's a real mix of using what I have, um, and making the best out of that as well. And I always have day old mashed potatoes sitting around <laughs> as well. It's, uh, it, that's always something that's, that's present in our house. So this is, it's perfect. No, honestly, uh, two, two things from that, um, uh, Kronans Kaka, which is actually a, a Swedish recipe, which is delicious and simple. Uh, it was, it was, uh, became famous in the war, um, uh, because there was a shortage of flour, so they used uh, ground almonds and mashed potato to make a cake for for the soldiers. Um, and uh, there is a special treat, and I don't really want to spoil it for people, because there's one wheat treat from Scotland that very few people know has mashed potato in it. Um, so if you get book one, it might shock you <laughs> what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'll leave that as a wee surprise. D yes, don't give it away. Okay. Uh, I, I've last time, last time I, I said that I, I do think you are one of the most prominent representatives of the Hebrides. Uh, just your, you know, your, your TikTok and Instagram alone. Uh, I wonder whether you think it's odd that a baker from the Isle of Lewis is a, is a global ambassador for the Hebrides. 
Or does baking as a universal language make you the perfect emissary? Well, I would love to say that from day one, I had this big strategy that I was going to take over the world with Hebridean recipes. Mm -hmm. But uh, genuinely, it never crossed my mind. Um, but I knew from the start, my main storyline was about the Hebrides. It was um, nearly I wanted like my first cookbook to be a love story to the Hebrides that happened to have recipes in it. Yes. Um, and as you mentioned, I've been so lucky to have traveled the world as the Hebridean baker. You know, I've had sellout American book tours and, and TV shows and all these amazing experiences. And I still wonder what it is. Um, and I, I think at its core, it is the Hebrides, because I think if I was called the, I don't know, Aberdeen baker, or the Bishop Briggs Baker, would it, would it resonate as much <laughs> as being the Hebridean Baker? And um, even though I, I'm, I talk about the whole of Scotland and talk about the, the wonderful produce, be it our whiskey or salmon or venison, um, you know, all these wonderful things that we produce, our marmalade or porridge oats, all these wonderful things. Um, it, does you know what well, you know i'm sitting here talking to an amazing man in canada i'm thinking how has this happened you know why why me <laughs> um but it is it's i'm so proud of it and it has been you know i'm 48 years old i didn't really anticipate this was going to happen to me and so i i am loving every minute of it so your social media channels are great fun i i hope that everyone goes looking for them and i'll provide links uh on social in the description for this episode in case anyone hasn't seen hasn't seen you uh, in action but before we end i do want to give you a moment to talk about your new book the hebridean baker my scottish island kitchen what will people find in this in this book uh, i just love this book i'm so proud of it it's my second cookbook uh, that i've released after recipes and wee stories from the scottish islands and it follows the same theme it's got 75 new recipes um Beautiful stories, historical stories, and fun stories from 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 the Hebrides. And um, I love talking about the the myths and legends. We do love a monster in the Hebrides. It's not just Nessie. You know, Nessie gets a lot of credit over in Loch Ness there, but we have some scary things as well. So, <laughs> so I've got a chapter over talking about those. But at its heart, it is a cookbook, and it has wonderful uh, recipes. Compared to my first cookbook, I think, as I said, um, I, I love the chapter on Scandinavian recipes because they feel relatable to, to what, what we do. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite things is I invite friends and family uh, into the cookbook and you see them in the cookbook uh, with their favorite recipes uh, as well. And so for me, that just makes it extra special. It just feels like a big family gathering. Uh, as a result. It's a family affair. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Great to be here. That is all for this episode of 63% Scottish. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for 63% Scottish and you'll find us. If you want to help our show keep growing, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. This show is supported through promotional partnerships with the St. Andrews Society of Toronto, the Scottish Society of Ottawa, the St. Andrews Society of Los Angeles, the St. Andrews Society of Winnipeg, 
the Clans and Scottish Societies of Canada, the Singapore St. Andrews Society, the St. Andrews Society of the State of New York, and Chicago Scots. If you live in any of these places, I encourage you to find out how you can get involved. Links to all of these organizations are in the description for this episode. We also receive promotional support from the Scots Corner page on Facebook and the Center for Scottish Studies at the University of Guelph. This show owes a debt of gratitude to the Scottish Banner, the premier publication for Scottish people and those of Scottish heritage in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States of America. You can find all of our episodes on their website along with short articles on each subject. Again, links are in the episode description. Music in this episode is from Roman Senec Music. Thank you for listening to 63% Scottish. Until next time, cheers and slantia.